I want to begin this morning by mentioning to you the January March for Life in Raleigh. It will be held on Saturday, the 14th of January. And I mention it now because I believe that march is going to be a very critical march since the uh, making of law concerning abortion has been given back to the states. And so we no longer have to wait for Roe versus Wade to be overturned. It's been overturned. And we're going to need to be there in force to um, send a message to our legislators. Um, people have driven up in the past. <clears throat> people like to go the march and maybe go the mall and try to avoid getting shot and um, see if they can make it back okay, and, and that's fine. Uh, we've taken the church van, um, and we can do that this year. But because of the importance of the rally, we're willing to get a bus if there's enough interest. Uh, seats would be relatively inexpensive. But we need to know if there's enough interest uh, to do that. So if over the course of the next two weeks, let's say by November the 20th, if you'll let Brother Jed know or let myself know, um, if you would be interested in riding the bus, then we can see about getting, uh, about chartering one. So keep that in mind. That's Saturday, January the 14th um, in Raleigh. Returning in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And we want to begin reading at verse 14. When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Please notice verse 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, speak to our hearts today to show us the relevance of Your Word to the very circumstances in which we find ourselves living today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tuesday is Election Day in this country. If you haven't already voted, the polls will open at 6.30. Tuesday morning, and they will be open until 7.30 Tuesday evening. Elections in this country take place on the Tuesday after the first Monday in November. This year, that puts this election in the same week as Veterans Day, just three days uh, apart to be exact. That's significant. Veterans Day is an important day in this country. 
It's a day that we honor veterans who have served and are serving this nation in all of our armed forces, in all of our wars, and particularly those who remain with us. If you're a veteran this morning, would you stand? Wow. Thank you. The emphasis on Veterans Day are living veterans. Though, in that we're thinking about all of our wars, we don't, um, we don't forget those who have given their lives in service to this country. The observance began of Veterans Day began at the end of World War One, on the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month in nineteen eighteen. It was originally known as Armistice Day, but after World War Two and the Korean War, it became known as Veterans Day, and it's observed every year on November eleventh. Veterans Day is so important to the people of this nation that in 1978 it was removed from the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. You hear me rail against that act from time to time. It was passed in 1968. It took effect in 1971. And the purpose of it was to move holidays to Monday to give federal employees a three-day weekend. But when that happened with Veterans Day, the outcry from the people of this country, the outcry against moving Veterans Day to a more convenient day was so great that it was returned to its observance on November 11th every year, regardless of the day of the week. This year it's on Friday. But whatever day it falls on, doesn't matter. That's the day it's observed, and that's the way it should be. And, and the closeness of Election Day and Veterans Day should not be overlooked. It's because of the men and women who have served this country and defended this country and are doing that today that we have the right to vote, that we have the right to exercise this wonderful right that we have to vote. And it's an insult to their service. It's an insult to their sacrifice not to exercise that God-given right to choose that they have given so much to defend. This morning's message is what would have been called in the early days of this country an election sermon. A sermon that addresses the state of government. A sermon that speaks on the subject of liberty and those who threaten it. That's why we've come to these verses. We're familiar with this account. There's a certain man who has a son who is possessed of a devil. And this father gives the symptoms that this son is experiencing. The symptoms of this devil who possesses him. First of all, he says that he is lunatic. That word lunatic literally means someone who is moonstruck. The practical meaning of this word is insane. This man's son was sore vexed by this devil. He was exceedingly troubled and disturbed. And we see something here that's very important. We see that the purpose of this devil who possessed the body of this young man was to destroy him. Look at verse 15 again. Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. The purpose of this devil was to destroy this man's son. 
And so as we see in verse 16, this father brings his son to the disciples. Now why would he bring them to the disciples? Well, turn over a few pages to Mark chapter 3, if you like. If, if not, just stay where you are and we'll come back there. But look at Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, And he, that is the Lord Jesus, goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. Look over couple of pages to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse. Now look at verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. The disciples went through the towns preaching the gospel, casting out many devils, and healing everywhere. And the word of that, no doubt, got around. This is why this father brought his son to the disciples. We probably would have done the same thing. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 17. Because what we see in verse 16 is that the disciples could not cure this man's son. The men who had been given power over unclean spirits, the men who had cast out many devils, could not cast out this devil that possessed this man's son. Now, in verse 17, the Lord refers to a faithless and perverse generation. Who's He calling faithless and perverse? I believe it's primarily the disciples. The ones who are endued with power from on high. They're the ones who are acting without faith. They're the ones who are acting in unbelief, as we see in verse 20. They're the ones who have turned aside from the right path. That's one of the meanings of this word perverse. It's God's people who have failed here. That's why the Lord Jesus says in verse 17, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And now the disciples have a question. They have a question. They come to Jesus apart. They come to him privately. And they want to know, why could not we cast this devil out? Why? Well, I want you to notice verse 21. Well, let's read verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And then we come to verse 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Notice the words. This kind, this kind 
the Lord Jesus in this verse says that this kind of demonic possession that we're reading about here is different. Is different. We, we didn't when we went over and looked in Mark. We read how the disciples were casting out devils. We read no mention, no mention of any prayer and fasting that preceded that. This is a different kind of demonic possession. It's not like the many devils that the disciples had cast out before. This devil, this demon, was a special case. That's what the Lord Jesus says. This kind. Well, what was special about this devil? Well, we read about it in verse 15. This devil made this man's son lunatic. It made him insane. This devil sore vexed this man's son. This devil sought to destroy this man's son by oft times, oft times, more than once, causing him to fall into the fire. And not just into the fire, oft into the water. That is this kind of devil that the Lord Jesus is talking about. What does that have to do with an election sermon on this Sunday before election day in this country? Folks, the United States of America, the body politic of this nation, is possessed by this kind of devil that we're reading about here. And this devil has a name. And his name is the Democrat Party. This devil of the Democrat Party had, has made this nation lunatic. It's made this nation insane with its policies and programs. Think about it. It's insane to murder babies right up to the time of birth and call that a woman's right to choose. It is a woman's right to choose whether or not to engage in sexual relations. But that is the end of her right to choose. Once she conceives, she does not have the right to choose to murder the baby that has been conceived within her. And to suggest that, and to try to put it into law right up to the time of birth is insanity. It's insanity to take the 1.14% of abortions that are done to save the physical life of the mother and the 1% that are done in cases of rape and incest and take that 2.14% to justify the other 97.9% .9 of abortions that are done in this country for convenience and birth control. That is insanity. Or to say it another way, it's insanity to take 1.4 million abortions and justify the other 62.8 million abortions that have been done in this country. That's the tyranny of the minority over the majority, which is exactly the insanity that the Democrat Party stands for. It's insanity and a sore vexation of the body of this nation when a pro-life advocate is reported by the Daily Signal a man by the name of Mark Houck was arrested at 7 a.m. on September the 23rd by a SWAT team consisting of 25 or 30 FBI agents with weapons drawn. They came with weapons drawn 
and came into the house, Mr. Houck's wife was able to get composed enough to say, I want to see your papers that tell you you have the right to be here. The first response by the agent was, we don't have to show you any papers. She stood her ground and finally they showed her a warrant. But 25 or 30 armed FBI agents to come in to this man's house in front of his wife with his seven children screaming in fear? What did Mr. Hout do? Well, supposedly he assaulted a 72-year-old man who... Mr. Hauk is one of the folks that goes to abortion clinics and offers, doesn't force his opinions, his ideas, but if, if a, a young lady wants to talk before she enters the abortion clinic, he's there to talk, to help her. Well, here comes this 72-year-old guy who is, of course, pro-abortion. Mr. Hauk has his 12-year-old son with him, trying to teach him something about taking a stand for life. And this 72-year-old man, day after day, says these crude and, and horrible things to Mr. Houck's son. And he wouldn't stop. Mr. Houck got fed up with it and pushed him. The old man fell down, tried to cry he'd been assaulted. The district court in Philadelphia had already investigated this. They had dismissed the case uh, earlier in the summer. That's not good enough for the Democrat Justice Department under Biden and Merrick Garland. They arrest Mr. Houck and do it in a way to send a message to every person who is pro-life in this country. They arrest Mr. Houck. They do nothing about the 135 attacks against pro-life organizations, pro-life supporters that are happening 22 times more often than attacks on pro-choice organizations. That's insanity. That's lunatic. It's insanity and a sore vexation to the body of this nation to suggest that men can transition and become women and women can transition and become men. <clears throat> it's insane and a vexation to the body of this nation to promote gender transition surgeries on minors and then say that the only reason that, that we oppose them is bigotry and fear. It's insane and a sore vexation to the body of this country to recognize 72 genders, to allow men in women's bathrooms and locker rooms based on what those men perceive to be their gender identity. It's insanity. It's lunatic. It's a sore vexation on the body of this nation to promote same-sex marriage as right and equal with God-established marriage and to work to codify it into law and then call it the Respect for Marriage Act. By the way, that act will be... It's going to be moving again after the election. We need to keep our eyes on that. It's insanity. It's lunatic. It's a sore vexation on the body of this nation to open the borders. Take away the sovereignty of this nation and allow illegal aliens, 2.7 million last year, to cross our border and to come into this country. And it is further insanity to set up sanctuary states like California and sanctuary cities like San Francisco. And when a man 
who is here illegally, illegally, attacks Paul Pelosi, the husband of the Speaker of the House. It is insanity to then turn around and blame the attack as being politically motivated by the inflammatory rhetoric of Republicans. It's lunatic. It is insanity and a sore vexation on the body of this country when the Democrats and the media blame the Republicans for stoking the fires of political violence in this country. When it is they, the Democrats and their military wing, Antifa and BLM, Black Lives Matter, who burned city after city in this nation during the summer of 2020. When it's their supporters, like the guy who flew from California to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. By the way, according to Newsbusters, the attack on Paul Pelosi has received 11 times more coverage than the attempted assassination of Justice Kavanaugh. Speaking of political violence, how about the protest outside Justice Alito and the other conservatives' homes in violation of federal law to try to in, in, in intimidate them into changing their decision in the Dobbs case that overturned Roe versus Wade. How about political violence right here in North Carolina? Ms. Pond sent me an article yesterday from Carolina Journal. That political violence took place in the race for this state's 14th congressional district, the new congressional district. Pat Harrigan is the Republican. Jeff Jackson is the Democrat. On September the 28th, Democrat Jackson filmed an ad outside uh, one of Republican Pat Harrigan's homes in Hickory. On October the 18th, shots were fired into the Harrigan's, Mr. Harrigan's parents' home close by where his children were staying. Hear anything about that in the media? I don't watch every minute of Channel 5 News. I watch more than I should. I never heard a word about it. But you see, it's the Republicans that are violent. It's insanity. It's lunatic and a sore vexation on the body of this nation when the Democrat Party is allowed to portray themselves as tolerant and unbiased when the truth is they're the party of racism and bigotry. They're the party of slavery. They're the party that opposed every civil rights act. They're the party of Jim Crow. They're the party of poll taxes. They're the party of Bull Connor. They're the party of governors who stood in the door, uh, doorways of public schools to prevent integration. The Democrat Party is the party that had the Klan, K-L-A-N, bake convention in Madison Square Garden in 1924. It's the party of Senator Robert Byrd, one of the most powerful men to ever be in the Senate. He was an exalted cyclops in the Ku Klux Klan and who, according to the Daily Caller, refused to join the military because he might have to serve alongside, quote, race mongrels, a throwback to the blackest specimen from the wilds. According to a letter Byrd wrote to Senator Theodore Bilbo, the height of World War II. Byrd's attitude toward black Americans didn't change a lot. He voted against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. They would not have passed without the Republican Party. 
The Democrat Party is the party that would not remove lynching from its party platform. The party whose great leader, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, would not support his own wife's anti-lynching campaign because he feared that it would alienate Democrat white voters in the South and they wouldn't support him. It's insanity. It's lunatic. It's a sore vexation in the body of this nation when the Democrat Party is allowed to talk about uh, the Republicans taking this nation back in the direction of Germany in the 1930s when Hitler came to power. James Clyburn from South Carolina, the number three Democrat in the House of Representatives, said that this week. When the truth is that the Democrat Party is the party of racism and bigotry and anti-Semitism. Again, their great leader, FDR, turned away the German liner, St. Louis, loaded, I believe, with 900 or so Jews who were seeking safety, who, it's 1939, they're escaping, trying to escape Europe. They came to Cuba first. Things changed. Cuba wouldn't take them. So they sent word to the place on all the earth where they thought they would be accepted. The place where Emma Lazarus's poem is on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses longing to be free. Those Jewish people long to be free. Franklin Roosevelt denied them coming into this country. So what happened? the St. Louis sailed back to Europe. And as a result, 254 of the Jewish passengers died in the Holocaust, in the death camps. Many of the others taken into other countries in Europe suffered the horrors of that war. It was FDR who wanted news of the Holocaust tamped down. And the New York Times and the Washington Post were glad to oblige. They covered it up. But their history doesn't stop there. The Democrat Party is the party of Obama and Kerry and Biden who have aided and are aiding now Iran to get nuclear weapons to accomplish their goal. What's the goal of, of, of Iran? Death to Israel. Death to Israel. They have the same attitude that we read about in Psalm 83. The name of Israel be removed from remembrance. By the way, there's another group that they want death to also. It's you and me. Death to America. The Democrat Party is the party of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Presley, I can't think of her first name, who the Democrat leadership refuses to condemn for their anti-Semitism, which even Liz Cheney said was vile. Where's the Democrat Department of Justice when it comes to doing something about the fact that according to the Anti-Defamation League, U.S. anti-Semitism surged to an all-time high in 2021, recording a 61% rise in attacks on synagogues and Jewish community centers. Where are the prosecutors in, in Brooklyn where Jews are attacked on a regular basis? Where's the Democrat Department of Justice? I'll tell you where they are. They're busy arresting pro-life advocates. They're, they're busy tracking down January 6th paraders and trespassers. They're busy opening up hotlines so parents who don't want their kids sexualized by the LGBTQ indoctrination 
uh, in this country and who go to school board meetings to exercise their First Amendment rights can be called in and turned in as domestic terrorists. It's insanity. It's lunatic. It's a sore vexation in the body of this country when the Democrats not only promote the lie of climate change, but force it upon the American people with their policies. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party have declared war on the fossil fuel industry. They shut down the Keystone Pipeline. They've shut down drilling and fracking in spite of what they say. And we know they have. Look what you're paying for gas now compared to what you were paying in November of 2020. We've gone from being energy independent. We've gone from being a net exporter of energy to being energy dependent on guess who? OPEC. Some of us remember 1973 when OPEC turned the oil off in this country. Some of us remember all the cries of the politicians from, from the Democrats and Republicans. We have got to become energy independent. And we do, and what do they do? They march us back to the past. When OPEC announced a few weeks back that they were going to cut production 2 million barrels a day beginning uh, November the 1st, the Biden administration sent representatives to negotiate. The decision to cut production? No, 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 no. They sent representatives to negotiate not cutting production and not announcing it before the midterm elections. That's a party that really takes care of this nation, isn't it? On October the 24th, it was reported that this country had 25 days of diesel fuel left. I haven't heard where we stand. I did see an article that said diesel is going to be in very short supply. And someone was telling me that 70%, I'm surprised it's this low, but 70% of all the products that you and I use in this country travel in trains and trucks that are powered by diesel fuel. Get ready, folks, for shortages, serious shortages. Heating oil is already, uh, we don't use a tremendous amount of heating oil here in the south, but in the north, the northeast, in Maine and New Hampshire and those states up there, Heating oil is the lifeblood of the heating systems and it's already being rationed for this upcoming winter. Fossil fuels provide electricity in this country. Natural gas, coal, followed by nuclear. The Democrats hate all of those. Their answer, wind. Wind which currently produces only about 9% of the electricity in this country. Biden said Friday that we, his administration, we're going to be shutting down coal-fired power plants all across America as though he has the power to do that. In order to shift to wind power, so 9% is going to replace 22%. The only thing I know to say about that is that is typical Democrat math. It's fitting that Biden made these remarks in California, a state that is the laboratory for not just the climate change agenda of the Democrats, but all of their um, lunacy. California 
had brownouts and blackouts this summer to the point that they told electric vehicle owners, now remember, California has banned the sale of new gas cars by 2035. And then there's these other states out west. That is a great idea. One state, I can't remember which one, has said, oh no, you're going to do it by 2035, we're going to do it by 2030. And what they're trying to do is to shift people to electric vehicles. But the state of California this summer told electric vehicle owners not to charge their electric cars. John Stossel, many of you are familiar with him. He quotes a physicist by the name of Mark Mills of the Manhattan Institute in an article in the Daily Signal. Mr. Mills says, quote, electric cars are amazing, but they won't change the future in any significant way as far as oil use or carbon dioxide emissions. Why does he say that? He says, quote, I want you to listen to this. You have to mine somewhere on earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rocks to make one battery. We don't like mining in this country. So how are we going to get our batteries? We're going to get them from our good friend China. China. We're going to be dependent on them and the countries that they control who have the materials to make these batteries. One final point that Physicist Mills makes, quote, if you're worried about carbon dioxide, the electric vehicle has emitted 10 to 20 tons of carbon dioxide from the mining, manufacturing, and shipping before it ever gets to your driveway. Volkswagen published a study in which they found that the first 60,000 miles you drive an electric vehicle, that electric vehicle will have emitted more carbon dioxide because of the process that you have to go through, the mining, the manufacturing, the shipping, than if you just drove a conventional vehicle. So why the push? by the Democrat Party. Control. Control. What's the greatest symbol of freedom in this country? I believe at least very way up near the top of the list is your gasoline or diesel-powered vehicle. The Democrats are interested in control. Taking away freedom, the freedom of individual movement of the people of this country. Limiting travel. I read an article. You say, well, I'll bring you one that says something else. This man was all excited about his, uh, I think it was a Nissan Leaf. <coughs> Took him 15 hours to travel 178 miles. Look him up on the internet. He was amazed. 15 hours to travel 178 miles. Think we're going to be traveling very far in our electric cars, folks? See, the Democrats are interested in the confining of people to a local area where they can be more easily monitored, where they can be more easily managed, where they can be more easily controlled. Folks, this is the devil that is the Democrat Party that is possessing the body of this nation. 
that is making this nation lunatic, that is sore vexing this nation, that is off time, that is more and more frequently causing this country to fall into the fire of tyranny and oppression and oft more and more frequently taking this nation deeper and deeper into the depths of the water of humanism and man's wisdom and man's logic. And it's all for the purpose, same purpose this devil had. He wanted to destroy this child. It's all for the same purpose of destroying this nation as founded. That's why. This devil of the Democrat Party must be cast out. And the point of this election sermon to you and me is right here in the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 17 and verse 21. Howbeit, this kind, this kind of devil that causes the one to be possessed to be lunatic, that causes the one possessed to be insane, that causes the body possessed to be sore vexed. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Voting is how we cast out the devil of the Democrat Party from the body politic of this country. You know, in years past, it's kind of like the disciples here. Remember, they would go and they were casting out devils. There were changes in the political scene of this country. But now there's a different kind of devil. Voting is how we cast out the devil of the Democrat Party. But that vote, that casting out, has to be preceded by prayer and fasting or we'll be exactly like the disciples in verse 16 people in this country you and me we're thinking we can we can come to the people of God and get them to cast out this devil i brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him Folks, beginning tonight at midnight and continuing for 24 hours, we have prayer vigil. You need to sign up and come and pray. The Lord Jesus asked His disciples a question in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40. When He came and He found them asleep, the church of Jesus Christ is asleep today. That's why Paul wrote to us, in Romans 13, 11, and said, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. So let's don't look down our noses at the disciples who were asleep. We're just like them. And so the Lord Jesus asked us this morning as He did them, what, what, could ye not watch with me one hour? Could ye not watch with me one hour? I, I promise you, I promise you, the fastest hour that you will spend in your life will be right in one of these seats. Praying. Brother Jed prepares a, a list of verses. And you will look at your watch and that hour will be gone. So we need to watch and pray. And we need to fast. Now listen. Do not write down on that sheet back there that you are fasting. Fasting is something between you and the Lord. And we know that because the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn back there, Matthew chapter 6, in verse 16, the Lord Jesus said, Moreover, when ye fast, not if ye fast, when ye fast. Fasting is an aspect of self-denial. And Pastor Kelly said in a, a message years ago 
that the most common length of a fast is one day. One day. Some people, a partial day. Maybe fast for breakfast. Maybe fast for lunch. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. We don't want you to write down there beside your name that you're going to fast. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. The only one who should know that you are fasting is the Lord. Now it goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. There are people who cannot fast because of health conditions that require them to eat. But that is not most of us. The only health condition that I suffer from in regard to eating is a seafood condition. Every time I see food, I want to eat. So most of us don't have to worry about a medical condition that would prevent us from fasting. The question is this, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to believe? Are we willing to heed the Lord's words? In verse 21, Howbeit, this kind goeth not forth, but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for allowing us this morning to look into Your Word and to see an application to this very hour in which we're living. We pray that Your people would be willing to fast and pray. That we would be willing to beseech You on behalf of this nation that this devil might be cast out, that this nation might return to a level of sanity, that there might be a government in office that can be influenced by the people of God. We just pray that you would help us and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.